Hello, this is Congressman Jim Clyburn, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Clyburn Chronicles. I have always been a lover of history. I see this platform as a way to connect history with the politics of today. This is so important because as Judge Santiano once said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Each episode, my guest and I will have a conversation about the lessons of the past, the politics of the present, and how we must learn from those experiences to help shape the future. Thank you for taking time to listen, and welcome to Clyburn Chronicles. Welcome all of you uh, to another edition of Clyburn Chronicles. Uh, we periodically meet in this way uh, to talk to people who are history makers and some who are uh, historical uh, in their own right, others who uh, are making history every day. Uh, today, uh, we have a guest uh, who is uh, wrapping all three of those entities into one. My guest today is Secretary Marsha Fudge, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Marsha Fudge uh, has made history. Uh, she was the first woman and first person of color uh, to serve as mayor of her hometown, Roarnville Heights, Ohio. Marsha Fudge uh, is making history uh, in that she's the second uh, woman of color to uh, chair or to be secretary uh, of housing and urban development. Uh, the last woman of color to be in this position was in 1979. But she made history uh, as the international president of Delta Sigma Theta sorority. Uh, it was when she was uh, president of Delta that I first met her. Uh, she uh, had come to Washington uh, to be chief of staff uh, to Stephanie Tubbs Jones, uh, with whom I had a very close relationship. And of course, um, I being an Omega uh, was a little deferential uh, to the fact that Stephanie Tubb Jones was a Delta and so was uh, her chief of staff. And as many of you know, uh, that is the sister sorority uh, to the fraternity Omega Psi Phi. Uh, but I noticed something about Marsha back then that she had a tremendous ability uh, to cut to the chase. Uh, she also had a tremendous ability to put people in their place. Uh, and of course, uh, all of that I admired about her. And so when the, uh, Joe Biden uh, was elected president, uh, I, uh, along with several 
of her, of her friends uh, push for Masha to be Secretary of Agriculture. Now, the reason uh, we wanted her to be Secretary of Agriculture, a lot of people thought that was kind of strange. Uh, she was representing Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, why would she uh, be a good Secretary of Agriculture? Well, simply because uh, she chaired a subcommittee uh, that gave uh, true meaning, and I would like to say life, uh, to agriculture. Uh, agriculture department is about more than farming. Uh, in fact, uh, some people estimate 70 to 75%, uh, some say 80% uh, of what goes on at the Department of Agriculture uh, is farming. It has to do with nutrition. It has to do uh, with housing. In fact, my relationship with the Department of Agriculture had to do with housing. I used to run the South Carolina Commission for Farm Workers. And one of the uh, parts of that agency uh, was to do self-help housing and um, uh, housing programs funded uh, by uh, the uh, Department of Agriculture. Uh, and of course, uh, housing is a big part of that portfolio. So when the, uh, Joe Biden had other ideas for ag, uh, I was one of the people who uh, encouraged her uh, to accept his offer uh, to be Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Because housing was really my big thing. There were two things for me and Ag, and it was housing and nutrition. Uh, she found a way to get nutrition into her portfolio. Uh, but right now, she's got something else to do. Uh, President Joe Biden has tapped her uh, to be one of the five secretaries that is going to sell this new uh, what we call the America Rescue Plan to the American people. And I know she's gonna do that job well because she and I have discussed uh, some of the things that we um, came up short on, uh, like the Affordable Care Act. Uh, we passed the act as we said we were gonna do, but then we did not tell the people what we had done for them. And therefore, uh, we paid a heavy price. So she knows how important it is uh, to get people to understand what has happened for them. And she also knows how important it is to build upon that. So now uh, that the president uh, has come forward with his stimulus program that he's calling, uh, I think we call that the America, what do you call it, family? Jobs plan. The American Jobs Plan. And then we're going to come with the Families Plan later. Right. So the American Jobs Plan is, is her job to go out and sell that. So uh, she's here today uh, to carry out her duties and responsibilities to selling uh, to my listeners exactly uh, what they can expect uh, from the uh, American Jobs Plan. And with that, uh, let me welcome Marsha Fudge to Clyburn Chronicles and yield to her uh, to make her case 
to the Clyburn listeners. Uh, and I want you to know, Marshall, my listeners are hard on me. Uh, <laughs> so they might be a little bit hard on you. Welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And to your listeners, let me say this. Jim Clyburn is, if not the best congressperson I've ever met, he's certainly in the top two or three. I have learned much from him. Everybody knows we are friends. We have been friends a long time. I love Jim Clyburn, but I want you to know he fights for you every day. So don't be hard on him. You know, so we're hard enough on him. So you all don't have to do it. We do it for you. <laughs> so with that, I would say again, thanks for having me. Uh, and I just want the American people to know that one of the things that he and I used to always talk about is what can we do for the people? How does it affect the people? You know, he talks about accessibility and, and equity all the time. This legislation, whether it be the rescue plan that is currently already passed and that I've been talking about today, as uh, Mr. Whip, because we are now rolling out the money for home, you know, to fight homelessness. Uh, we've already issued some other things that are coming out. So we're excited about where we are. But for this jobs plan, the jobs plan really affects how we live every day. People will say, well, why is housing infrastructure? Why is broadband infrastructure? Jim Clyburn has been talking about infrastructure, he, uh, broadband ever since I have been in Congress. This is, everybody's talking about how wonderful it is we need to, do with, to deal with it, but he's been talking about it, I know, at least for the last 13 years and longer than that. How do you prepare yourselves and your children if they cannot learn virtually, which we have been doing for the last year. Farmers are having problems because there's no broadband. Young people don't wanna live on farms anymore because they cannot connect with the rest of the world. Broadband is infrastructure. Housing is infrastructure. How do you find a way to succeed without having a place to call home? Home is one of the most basic necessities we have. So it's not just about roads and bridges, even though almost every bridge in this entire nation needs to be repaired. It is about making people's lives work. You know, back when we had horses and buggies, nobody thought we would be calling airplanes infrastructure or rail infrastructure. We progress as we grow as a nation. And so I just have to thank Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for having the vision to stop looking back, Mr. Whip, and start to look forward. Because the only way as a nation we are going to be able to compete is to have a vision of how people are going to be made better. And we do that by providing what the president has asked us to do, which is to provide more than 2 million new housing units, affordable housing units. You live in Colombia. The prices in Colombia are going up so much on housing that the average person cannot afford to buy a new home. So we have to help them. And one of the things we're going to be doing here at HUD is leveling the playing field, giving access to credit. We're going to make sure that people can live in a decent home and not on the streets. We know the homelessness has increased significantly over the last year. And in 2020, in January of 2020, we have data that shows on any given night, more than 580,000 people were homeless in this country, the greatest country in the world. And so we are working on those issues. We are working on uh, rehabilitating and repairing public housing. We are going to create millions of new jobs. 
in this jobs package. So I just don't know what there is about the package that somebody would not want. And so I would ask this question, uh, Mr. Whip, to your listeners. If they do not believe that fixing lead pipes so children are not being poisoned in school is important, I don't know what is. If it is not people living in a decent house, I don't know what the problem is. Maybe it's children not being able to uh, communicate because they don't have high-speed internet or broadband. I'm not sure what is going on with people in Congress who do not think this bill is important, but I can think of nothing more important than making sure that our children are safe, that our parents are safe, that people can go to work because they have childcare, that people can go home and feel good about where they live. I don't know what the problem is, but I'm all in for it. And I'm all in to making sure that we can get this thing over the finish line. Well, thank you for bringing up uh, some of those issues. I want to uh, talk a little bit about um, uh, the lead pipe issue. Uh, you may recall uh, Flint, Michigan, uh, people going about their lives, uh, really uh, living it to the fullest, and all of a sudden, <clears throat> they're being poisoned by the water they drank, and that was not their fault. Right. Uh, the state made decisions, and a lot of people have gone to jail for that, uh, and uh, the governor of the state has been chastised surveillance for it. But the point is, we got to fix the pipes. That's right. So it doesn't do me any good. It doesn't do those children at all. They're there in a good, when somebody goes to jail for what they did, uh, what we need to do is fix the pipes. That's right. That's absolutely right. People are homeless. Uh, we can write about it. But we got to what? Uh, uh, get places for people to live. That's right. And so, and that's what uh, you all about. You know, I always say that um, there are two kind of people in the world: those who make headlines and those who make headway. Mm. Uh, and uh, what we've got to do is make headway. That's right. Now, you know, we were originally scheduled to do this last month during Women's History Month, uh, but this is. Uh, Fair Housing Month, isn't it? That's exactly right. A perfect time for us to talk about. Yeah, perfect time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, give us a little bit of your vision uh, for HUD's priorities going forward. If I do nothing else before I leave this job, Mr. Whip, it is that every single person who lives in public housing who believe that we care enough about them to make sure that mold is not growing on the walls like wallpaper that they don't have to deal with lead paint and lead water that is poisoning their children, that we are going to make sure that they're not spending 50% of their income on housing or more, uh, and that they are not spending so much money on their energy bills that they can't survive. I mean, one of the things you talked about many years ago was how we reduce energy costs for people because poorer people and black and brown people may pay more in energy costs than anybody else because our homes and our buildings are so inefficient. Uh, so I want for, and my vision is this, that the federal government and HUD in particular can make a difference and we will make a difference. People need to know that government can work for them. And now that we have leadership and we have the will 
we're going to make it happen. We're going to get people off the streets. We're going to make sure that every single place, every single person has a place to live. And whatever that takes, we're going to do. We're not going to do it overnight, but we will get it done. Well, you know, um, uh, the whole thing uh, about uh, the jobs plan is uh, it, it, it is broadening the, um, the whole definition of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. You know, for as long as I can remember, every time we start talking about infrastructure, people will immediately start talking about roads and bridges. Now, roads and bridges uh, uh, ought to be talked about. Uh, and we talked a lot sometimes about water and sewage, and that's good to talk about. But you know, uh, infrastructure has got to be school construction. That's right. Uh, and it's got to be uh, affordable housing. And it's got to be broadband. I don't understand how people uh, cannot see that broadband is just as much of an infrastructure issue uh, as a road. That's right. Uh, when, um, uh, when the internet first came out, we always called it the information highway. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's what it was called. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I've uh, maintained for a long time now, we ought to treat the information highway the same way we uh, treat the interstate highway. Uh, and I just think that that's what connects people. It is. But you know what? I stopped even using the word infrastructure. I use the word foundation. We need to create a foundation for living like the nation that we ought to be. I mean, you look at even the electric grid. If we had a, 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 an electric grid that was where it should be, people in Mississippi and in Texas wouldn't have been without water for weeks. You know, we, it is all a foundation upon which we build our lives. And so if that foundation is not secure on the bottom so that we can communicate, so that, that we can live decent, so that we can uh, educate our children, that we can take care of our parents, then the foundation is not what it ought to be. And to me, that is what infrastructure is. It is the foundation upon which we live. You know, um, you mentioned uh, Texas and Mississippi. Those were colossal phase of infrastructure. That's exactly right. A big uh, flint, a colossal failure yes. of infrastructure. Uh, and then people tend to see those things as being far or somebody else's problem. Uh, I imagine the people of Texas never thought they would have any kind of experience like that. That's right. Uh, but they uh, lived to have it. And what's so dangerous about this is that if we do not uh, secure uh, our grid, the electrical grid, if we do not clean up lead pipes, uh, water uh, pipes, if we do not fix our roads and our bridges. Uh, I was traveling on the road today and I'm telling you, I have never seen uh, Interstate 26 as in as bad a shape as it is today. Uh, those things gotta be fixed. Uh, they have estimated that, what, over half of the bridges in this country. Closer to 80%. Closer to 80%. 80% of the bridges need to be repaired. And so uh, these are things that uh, we've got to do. But you know, I believe strongly 
that we've got to work on closing the wealth gap. And yeah. to me, uh, the quickest way and the easiest way to close the wealth gap is through housing. Mm -hmm. That's where people build equity. Uh, I have no, you know, I don't play the stock market. Uh, the only equity I've got in my life is in my home. Uh, and we ought to really uh, concentrate on uh, having people to secure a safe the home to live in uh, so that they can build equity for their children, which is something you can pass on to your children. Uh, and I'm assuming that that's going to be a big part of your, uh, your forte is to really uh, have uh, home or, or uh, housing, not just to rent, but to own. Let me tell you what, you, you've been a banker. You know what the system is like. If we did nothing more than say to banks, start making loans of fifty dollars and $60,000 so that people can buy all this housing in neighborhoods that is going vacant. We could change neighborhoods. We could put people in homes. But more importantly, the biggest problem, uh, Mr. Whip, is, is, is the, the systemic discrimination built into the process of home buying. You know, we have always been at a disadvantage because as a general rule, as hard as we work, the down payment and then the fees and then the mortgage insurance and all of those things make it more difficult for us to get into a home because we don't have 20% put down. So one of the things that we are going to absolutely do is help with not just access to credit, but down payment assistance, because most people can afford their mortgages. Their mortgages are generally cheaper than their rents. If you really think about it, I can almost guarantee you anybody paying for a decent apartment today, they can buy a house and have a mortgage that is less than their rent. We know that. And we know that that's the only way to really build generational wealth. So one of the things we are absolutely going to do is make it easier. We're going to educate people on how they go about getting housing, as well as we're going to make it easier for them to buy houses. That's one of the things that HUD can do because FHA is a part of who we are. So you're going to see some significant changes in the way that we talk to people about building wealth. And it is through housing. You're absolutely right. Well, I think that is uh, so important. Now, are there any uh, things that one would um, be surprised to find out uh, that's in your portfolio? Oh, there's so many things. <laughs> so you know, uh, the reason I asked that question is because uh, uh, you told me uh, a week or so ago that you were surprised to find out uh, about uh, how impactful uh, your comments can be uh, uh, to the investor class. Oh, absolutely. I had no idea when I came here that just saying a few words can throw the markets out of whack. Had no idea I could do that. But I also had no idea that there were things that I could do to affect public housing just by saying it. Uh, you would be surprised at the power that comes in this position. I think that for so long, we were afraid to use it. Now, you know me well enough to know, Mr. Whip, if I have the power, I'm going to use it. <laughs> and I'm going to make sure people know that this is going to change their lives. This is a one in a lifetime opportunity we have, and you know it as long as you've been in Congress. For us to have had the COVID package, in December, the rescue plan, if we, if we pull, and I believe that we will, 
the jobs package and the families package over, it will be the greatest investment in people since the great, since the great society. And it will be bigger and it will be more impactful if you can believe it because we will have finally put the kind of resources behind doing the things that we've been talking about for years. So I'm just really just elated that we have a president and a vice president who understand where we are in history, that this place in history will never come again, never come again. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, we started out, uh, you and I, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, looking at the field, trying to determine who we would support to be president. Uh, I was trying to convince you that it had to be Joe Biden and you were convincing me that it had to be Kamala Harris. And we had those uh, uh, discussions uh, going forward. Uh, and I, uh, it looked like both of us got to where we wanted to be. Absolutely right. We were, we're a winning team and they're a winning team. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, and, and you mentioned uh, the Biden-Harris uh, administration. And I know uh, that she's now taking on uh, portfolio in her portfolio, uh, working on the border issues. Uh, I've been uh, working earlier today uh, on issues surrounding uh, vaccinations. Uh, I'm doing mobile uh, units and also uh, going out to rural communities. Uh, and I went down to a place called Yamasee, South Carolina this morning. Uh, 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 interviewing people or just talking to people uh, who are getting the vaccinations. Uh, and we know uh, that we are doing great work for the vaccinations. We're doing great work uh, uh, regarding the COVID-19 because uh, Joe Biden is surprising a lot of people. Yeah. Now, he doesn't surprise you or me because uh, uh, Kamala was your first choice and Joe was your second choice. Joe was my uh, first choice, Kamala was my second choice. So we, we, we were there and we knew uh, that these two people uh, would do great things for this country. Uh, and we see these numbers now, 60% uh, of Republicans supporting this stuff. Uh, when I saw this thing the other day that in one poll, uh, there were uh, the, Republicans' approval were higher than independents mm -hmm. uh, of what Joe Biden is doing. And, and you are part of that. Uh, and you ought to be congratulated for it. But now, you know, as hard as you've been on me, uh, I'm going to return the favor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is it? <laughs> I'm going to return the favor. Uh, and I am looking forward uh, to you doing great things with us. Because it can make a difference uh, in people's lives, it can make a difference in people's livelihoods, uh, it can make a difference in these communities uh, that we all uh, are trying to improve. And I just believe strongly uh, that um, uh, Fair Housing Month uh, is a good time for you to tell people uh, what you would expect from them uh, if there are things that you would like to see people do in order to uh, let you know uh, how you can best serve them. Oh, there are things absolutely that I would love for them to do. 
one of the things we know with this jobs plan is it is going to create at least 100,000 construction jobs. It is my desire that when we start to talk about those numbers, that uh, a percentage of the jobs that are going into this jobs plan need to come from people in our communities. So maybe we do something like say, uh, if you're going to be building a public housing or multifamily housing unit, that 30% of those jobs need to come from within three miles of that place where it's going to be built. Maybe what we need to be saying to people in public housing is, it is time also for you to do your part. We are going to come in and do everything we possibly can, but possibly, you know, uh, ma'am, maybe your son can learn how to do just basic repairs. You know, maybe he can just change out windows. Maybe your daughter can learn how to do basic plumbing, get in an apprenticeship program. We're going to try to provide those things as a part of this plan. So take us up on it. Empower your own neighborhoods and your own communities by self-help. If we're providing apprenticeship programs, get in them, get your children in them. Um, look at all of the programs that are available and let us know what we can do to make it better. But the other thing I would say is that as we talk about things like immigration and those things, I think people forget, Jim, and I just wanna say this, is that a lot of these immigrants we're talking about are black people. They are not just all people coming across the border and we neglect to say that many of the immigrant problems we have are people from Haiti or from Africa or other places that are getting caught up in this web as well. So don't just think it's a problem for somebody else. It's a problem for us too. And we need to make sure that we do our part. So I'm asking them to help us help them by participating in the things that are coming out. Because there's a lot of money coming out, Mr. Wick, which you know, for many, many things. And so let's let's educate ourselves and empower ourselves. Well, thank you so much. You went exactly where I wanted you to go. You know, you may recall uh, several years ago when I said in one of our uh, retreats, uh, whatever we call that annual meeting we have at, at our caucus meet. Right. I, I told about an experience I had at a job course center. Um, in fact, I've only visited two job course centers uh, in my life, one in my district and one in your district. That's right. Uh, of course, it's not the job course center the most. Last time I went there, it was a motel, uh, right. I believe, but it used to be a job course center. First time I said huge, that. Huge, huge, huge. Yeah. So I, um, uh, I told them about the experience I had uh, listening to uh, a group of students who were having a discussion about which one of them was being trained in a vocation that was the most important to society. Uh, and one of them was being trained as an automobile mechanic. And that young man was saying why he thought it was more important to be an automobile mechanic. Somebody else was being trained as a plumber. And he talked about why it's more important to be a plumber. And somebody else was being trained as a, uh, in the culinary arts and talking about how important chefs were. And I was going to give a Black History Month speech. I took my little speech that day and put it in my pocket. And when I went to that group, I said to them uh, that, you know, when I stop back to Columbia today and something happens to my automobile, I'm not going to call a lawyer. I'm going to call an automobile mechanic. If I get up in the morning and something happens and no water comes out of my faucet, uh, I'm not gonna call a doctor, I'm gonna call a plumber. 
And the most important person in my life at that particular juncture would be the plumber. And I think that that's the thing that we have to do and that I shared with our caucus. Doctors need plumbers. Plumbers need lawyers. Lawyers need automobile mechanics. We all need each other. And what we've got to do uh, is make sure that people uh, get the kind of foundations, as you put it, uh, to make their lives better. Uh, if you build a house, uh, you can have an electrician, you're gonna have a plumber, you're gonna have a bricklayer, you're gonna have a carpenter, you're gonna have a, a I don't know, uh, somebody to put you in have the- You have a roofer, you have a roofer, roofer. have a laborer. Uh, <laughs> landscaping. That's right. We all have to work together to get the house built. And as John Lewis, our late friend, he just say all the time, we all living in one big house. In one house, same. And we have to contribute to building that house. And I want to thank you. Can uh, I say this one thing though, before you sure. finish with the trip? The jobs plan, 80% of all the jobs created in that jobs plan will go to people who have less than a college degree, high school degrees. That's the other great thing about it because they are jobs just as we're talking about, plumbers and electricians and carpenters and bricklayers and cement masons. That's who we're talking about. You know, when I uh, uh, built, uh, I was living in Charleston, teaching school, built a house, and I saw what I had to pay my plumber. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said, my goodness, uh, I, I love teaching, but I wish I could make the kind of money that the plumber made. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so th that's what it's all about people using whatever their skills are. Right. Uh, one of my best friends is my barber, though it looks like I don't need a barber. Uh, he loves being a barber. That, that's, that's all he ever wanted to do is be a barber. And he's got two barber shops. He's got two sons. They run uh, and uh, they are, they do well. Uh, and so what we have to do is get people to develop their skills. Yes. If somebody wants to be an electrician, they got no business going to law school to be an electrician. That's right. You know, and so, you know, what we have to do and what I think Joe Biden is going to do is help people fulfill their dreams and aspirations. He has made a tremendous good start to that. And one of the things he did to get started uh, on the right foot was the name you uh, to run HUD. And I want to congratulate you for uh, accepting that position. And I know it was not easy for you to lead the Congress, uh, though uh, I was glad for you to leave. Not that uh, uh, I didn't enjoy serving with you, but I wanted to see somebody at HUD who would give credibility to that agency. And uh, I don't get too political on these podcasts, uh, but HUD needed somebody with a vision for what HUD, not just what HUD is, but what HUD can be uh, in the lives of people. And I know how visionary you are. I know how no nonsense you are. I know how hard a worker you are. And I just hope 
that all those things will come together uh, and you uh, will um, really uh, can do what I know needs to be done to get this country back on track. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. And you have been listening to Clyburn Chronicles. Uh, we will have another history maker next month. Uh, and thank you so much for being a part of our uh, lives. Thank you for listening to this episode of Clyburn Chronicles. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a comment. And don't forget to subscribe to my show wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I'm Congressman Jim Clyburn.